Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Fran Coaches Franchising 101 podcast series. I am Tim Parmeter, founder and CEO of Fran Coach, and your podcast host. Today, we have a, the first of a three part segment on scaling your franchise. What is scaling your franchise? What are the different ways in which it can be done? And what does that mean to you as a franchise owner? To help us understand all of this, we have a special guest joining us today so we can take a deep dive into this topic. But before we do that, let's first tell you who we are. Francoach is a national search firm dedicated to working with individuals who are interested in owning a franchise. We are partnered with over 500 of the top franchisors in the country, spanning nearly 60 industries. Our goal is to help clients find the absolute best franchise for them to own. And our goal of the Franchising 101 podcast series is to help educate people on all aspects of franchise ownership. So that's a bit about us. Now let's talk about how you can grow your franchise. To help us with this topic, we're excited to have a special guest joining us today. Miss Danielle Wright is a franchise professional with over a decade of experience working with some huge and well-known franchises as well as helping launch emerging brands. Danielle, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. We are uh, excited to talk uh, today about scaling a franchise. Uh, and the, the first thing I want to always express to people is not every franchise owner has the desire to grow and expand their franchise beyond one unit. And that is 100% okay. However, there are numerous long-term benefits for doing so, uh, but rarely do people understand exactly what that looks like. Um, so in the first of I three-part series, we're going to focus today on non-retail-based franchise models um, and how that uh, those models can scale. Um, I think everybody understands a retail franchise has a specific location that you own. But Danielle, talk to us a little bit about how does a non-retail-based franchise work? What do people actually own? They, they own territory rights. So when you're Purchasing a franchise that is non-retail based, you are purchasing geography that the franchisor awards you to deliver that product or that service, generally uh, set up by zip codes. So you're, you're purchasing those rights to offer that product or service in a zip code or multiple zip codes that are contiguous to each other. So you're purchasing that territory with the rights of that option. Gotcha. Okay, and so that fr that franchise fee, let's and and let's. I'm going to use simple math today because you know I'm not all that bright. So let's say a franchise fee is fifty thousand um, dollars, and obviously all the, the the training and support and the the branding and everything that you're getting with that, but included in that franchise fee then would be that territory that you're talking about. Correct. Correct. Gotcha. So and with non-retail, some of them are going to require an office, uh, but there's going to be some that are non, you don't need, like you could actually do them straight from, straight from your home. So you may have, we'll talk about the, the differences of that, but what if that's, what if that one territory, when people analyze that, um, they're like, yeah, hey, that's great, but I want more of the markets. Um, how does, how does that work? That's to the scaling part of, of growing a business, right? So when you're a territory type of franchise where you're non-retail, the way you're going to scale your operation is by taking on more of that market, purchasing more zip codes, 
purchasing more territories, typically franchisors, um, which is what we call them. The franchise concepts will give you a discount in uh, franchise fees for doing that. Uh, their goal is to have fewer owners owning multiple territories so that they can all benefit from, from hopefully greater profitability and, and sales volumes and, and brand recognition. And I could go on for hours on all the reasons why that, that works. So for uh, franchise partners, like the ones that we're, we're talking about, they want to be able to grow and add on more area because then they can, then their marketing becomes more efficient. Um, there's a lot of reasons why, but that's how you scale a non-retail business is getting your brand larger and in more markets and more zip codes in front of more um, consumers. And then you are going to scale it from a fashion of now I'm going to need employees and now I may need an office. And to your point, we'll talk about that further, but there's a lot of different ways to, to scale a, a franchise concept. Even if you only stay at the one territory or two territories, major metropolitan markets could be 15, 16, 17 territories. And that seems a little overwhelming in this conversation to think, wow, 17 territories, like that does exist. If we put it into a population bucket, a lot of people can wrap their heads around, you know, 200, 300,000 people in population or number of households. Just know that that's going to be a metric that the franchise is going to determine for you. Uh, you just have to understand and, and kind of have a comfort around your market uh, to be able to scale in that direction. It, and it, it is something that I think for people, at least initially as that we talked to, it's a little daunting to think about that, you know, well, you know, I, I, I'm not even sure if I want to do this yet. I'm not 100% sure which franchise it is. And then now you're going to talk to me about owning, you know, the, the entire metro area. Um, when people get to the end and they're really 100% sure, like, yes, this is the franchise. Um, more times than not, people are like, well, hey, I, I don't want anybody else coming in here. I want to gobble up as much turf as I can. So you, you talked about the and I'll kind of use this in a multiple of three, right? So a single unit franchise fee, and again, just use simple math today, is 50000 right? So that's my one unit, my one territory. But if I want three, then am I doing 50000 times three? What's Are there any incentives for that franchise owner to really kind of be able to add more territory right off the bat? Sure, there's incentives. Um, the franchise, it's going to be in the franchise disclosure document for um, those that, that don't know. I'm sure there's a podcast for that. Um, but for the franchise thanks disclosure for, document. Thanks for saying that. Yes, of course there is. <laughs> uh, so the franchise document is going to tell you what the discounts are for multiple locations. My, my feedback for this conversation is going to be more of probably another podcast, right? That there are micro-emerging, emerging um, legacy, every franchise entity is at a certain stage of growth. So certain franchise businesses are, are going to offer you a, a larger discount on that second, third, fourth, fifth territory. If you go ahead and pledge that you're going to pick those up at the beginning. Now you don't have to open all of those in the beginning. That's a big thing that people need to walk away with is just because I have the rights doesn't mean I have to open all of those territories at the beginning. So people can take a big sigh of relief that that's not necessarily how that works. It's, it's what we call a development schedule. So the franchise is invested in you and your growth and your success. You're equally invested in the growth and success of the franchise. 
So you mutually come together as that partnership, as, as I always like to say, that you're going to do what's best for all parties. So generally you can um, get a second, third or fourth territory, fifth territory at a discount. That discount's still gonna apply that if you say, I don't want to pick that up today. My capital is light, whatever that may be. If maybe a year from now you want to go and pick up that additional territory and it's available, you, you will likely be able to get that based on where that franchise is and it's, it's growing of franchise ownership, right? So it's, it's understanding where you want to be, you know, start with the end in mind, as they always say, and determine if I have the capital and basically the will to make that that occur. Um, I'm a big fan of start with one, figure yourself out, but start having that discussion with that franchise partner or that franchisor saying, I really want to grow this and my long-term plan is X, Y, and Z. If they know that, once you're on board as a franchise owner, they can put their coaching to getting you there. They know the metrics. They know where you need to be at revenue. They know where you need to be um, and, and your net profit to really support, hey, now's the time, right? They're, they should, as a franchise organization, have those key metrics in place to say, okay, franchise partner, you're really at that bucket that if you're going to look to expand or grow or scale your business, now's the time that we really should be putting those pieces into place, whether that's picking up the territory, hiring people, or what have you. But to your direct question, Tim, uh, yeah, there are discounts for, for picking up additional territories. Some may be a little bit more aggressive if you pledge them early on, um, and some might just be the flat, whether you buy them today or you buy them a year from now or two years from now, you may not see a, a huge swing and discount in those additional territory costs. Right. And, and that's, and the, the, the thing with franchising, right? There's, there's rarely one blanket answer for every single franchise out there, but in most cases there's, if it's 50,000 for one, it's usually not going to be 150 for three, right? There's going to be a little bit. Um, and as you talked about, right, there's, there's so many benefits um, for both the franchisor and the, and the franchise owner with that. And the other thing is key, key to understand is, the development, right? So you're in, Danielle, you're in, in the Tampa market and, you know, hey, go Bucks, right? So <laughs> if somebody wanted um, one franchise location territory there, or if they said, hey, I want all of Tampa St. Pete, uh, I want to ensure I got Tom Brady's house in my territory, so I've got the whole market, that can be, you know, we can see the long-term growth, but that can be daunting to think about. Oh my gosh, I've got, you know, this, you know, I've got several million people in this territory. How in the world am I going to cover every inch of that right off the bat? The franchise has that planned out, right? There's a development timeline of, hey, when you get to X amount of revenue, you need to add a person, you need to do this. Now we start marketing there. All of those things are kind of encompassed. Obviously, every franchise is different, but every franchise is going to have that plan laid out for them to help kind of ease into to know when it's the right time to to really start to expand within their territories. Correct. Right. Gotcha. Um, that's good. And then the oftentimes if there is an office required for a franchise, um, if I have three or five territories do I need to always have a different office in each of those territories? How does that work? That I mean, that's really going to be relative to the, the franchise brand, right? So 
it, some franchise brands want you to treat every territory as a single business operation, right? Like you're ingrained in that community, your presence is there. Um, just like you had, had referenced Tampa St. Pete, if, if anybody knows Tampa St. Pete, they, they know that Tampa is its own place and St. Pete is its own place. And very rarely do we travel across three major bridges to one side or the other. So you could find from the franchise or that they may want you to have an office maybe regionally based in such a, a large metropolitan, right? Like if you took Atlanta, for instance, and you were on the northwest side of Atlanta and you had operations on the southeast side of Atlanta, it might behoove you to have offices there where there's a, a space to, once you start having staff come in, there's a there's a meeting place, right? So if you started with the single unit, you could do that potentially out of your own home office or guess what? You're going to have a, a mobile office in your car and a lot of things are virtual today. So I, I don't know that it necessarily requires the same touch points as, as it used to. But to your point, yeah, office space is generally going to be a meeting space, someplace where your teams will come um, either you're, you're in a home service business where you need to bring them in in the morning, give them what are the goals for the day, give them their work orders, and they're out and about in the community on trucks and cars, what have you. Or if you have a group of salespeople that need to come into the office on Monday mornings to send them for the week's worth of information, they're, they're road warriors, they're out within the community, so forth and so on. So you may want to have like a meeting place that isn't necessarily your home, but you don't necessarily need that at the first territory. Like when you start building and scaling into two or three additional markets, then it might be smart to get a small executive office space. We're, we're not trying to be Apple in any of our communities. We don't need to have a Google um, pad. We need to have something where we might have some conference room space um, a, a mailbox where there's a drop, maybe the business may require some phone calls. So you may want to utilize a receptionist of some sort. Um, but that's definitely when you get to a two or three, four or five territory growth that you want to keep your costs minimal in that, that launch phase, that office doesn't, doesn't really make 10 tons of sense, but it is part of the scalable piece. When I think that's part of the to say you have three territories, um, potentially three times the revenue potential, but for not even remotely three times the investment, right? It's, it's, it's the uh, right. discounted on the additional turf that you're going to have for your territories. Um, you're going to need more people and, and a little bit more marketing and maybe an office, but um, pretty small relative to the additional the additional kind of revenue that that can produce. Um, last they generally call it economies of scale, exactly. right? So that's the fun piece of it is that I'm not having to take what the initial investment was in the first one. And I can really replicate across others, the same things that I've already done. And to your point, it's only going to be incremental dollar increases. Maybe you're spending five grand a month in marketing. Maybe you're going to bump that up to seven or eight. Uh, maybe I have two employees. Maybe I need to have a third. So it's, it's really small investments into adding that second territory, which could, to your point, 
render really great returns because now you've got a larger space that you're you're playing exactly. in. Well, so last thing, Danielle, and this is this has been fantastic info, and so, and again, thanks again for joining us. But is there anything that maybe would make somebody a great candidate for being a multi-unit? owner um any, any different type of skill set that you might look at as a franchisor hey we really need this person to be good at blank to to uh, really look at them as a multi-unit candidate i, I appreciate that question I, i'm gonna make a little bit of a funny here that yeah money <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, money is the answer to every everything right like i can hire people i can expand i can you, you really want to be someone that, and from a personality perspective, it's someone that's a big picture person um, that can say, hey, this is where I want to go, but doesn't get lost in a lot of the minutiae saying, just like I said, with, start with the end in mind. If the end in mind is I want this business to be, to produce me X amount of dollars in revenue, right? Or I want it to make me this much of an owner's compensation and I'm okay with getting that in the next three to five years, then back into that, right? Like do your research, understand what those numbers look like in a franchise system that may have those same people in their system. Um, if it's a micro emerging, emerging concept where there aren't as many franchises that you can franchisees that you can talk to franchise partners, you can talk to, then, then you have to kind of do that due diligence. But I find that like high level executives, um, those that have been in business ownership before, maybe went back to corporate America or now figuring business ownership. Now, um, those that are in that second stage of life, right? Like where we're saying, Hey, this is my last bite at the apple and I'm going to take all the money that I have or borrow some money. And this is going to take me into my retirement or something for my kids. Then, then do that, but go with the plan of, Hey, I really want my kids to be involved or, Hey, I'm going to really know how to manage employees because it's really the scale piece from that perspective, picking up the territory is the easy part. It's, it's the hiring and, and supporting of that labor that generally scares some people. So as long as you're um, going in with, hey, I can manage people. And guess what? If I can't, I know how to hire someone who can. Right. <laughs> so don't be afraid of finding a resource to fill a space that you don't feel secure in. But um, I will tell you nine times out of 10 in today's environment and, and in my years of doing this, the thing that stops people is money. Uh, you can get money. It's a little bit harder today, but you can get access to capital, but go in with a firm plan of what you're willing to do. And the franchise loves that type of, of mentality from a business owner. You could come from working in you know, a convenience store and still have that vision and drive, have access to capital. Those franchise concepts are going to adore you because failure is not an option. So I want those types of people going into franchise businesses that Here's the problem and I'm going to I'm going to solve it, whether it's by hiring, whether it's by having money to put into the business or just grit. They've got the grit to, to push through and, and make things happen. So that would be the ideal owner in those scenarios. Awesome. The, yeah, the, that's the beauty of being the owner is you get to kind of pick and choose what's what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Right. And if you don't want to do it, then hire somebody to do it. Um, and yeah. 
called the seven spinning plates of ownership, Tim. Maybe you should do a podcast well, about that. That, that sounds like there could be seven uh, for, <laughs> for, uh, for that. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. Well, and, and way to just invite yourself back for, uh, for, for, for another episode for uh, the seven plates. Right. So, um, and it, 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 it is important to know too, we talk about being able to do this right off the bat, right. And, and have those things, but you could, as a franchise owner, start small start with just one and as you get into it uh, and I think it's really one of the the hidden beauties of this you can keep growing right um, even if you think hey I'm going to do three right away doesn't mean you have to stop there doesn't mean you can't uh, continue to grow and expand that particular brand doesn't mean you can't add other brands down the road um, you know it seems always kind of cheesy to say that the, the sky's the limit but it's kind of the limit with this so um well, and one last note on that that you had said, which I, I adore, like you can even go outside of your home market. So if you build a strong infrastructure and have someone that you could place, like you're in Atlanta, but maybe you want to open the Austin, Texas market or the franchise is really wanting to open that market and you have a resource that will move to Austin and open up shop, you could have locations across the country. It's very similar to the to the real retail franchise side. Like I don't have to have just a brick and mortar. I can go purchase territory in other markets if I have the operations support to, to roll that out. So that's something to think of. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. So, so cool. Well, Hey, Danielle, we, I, we greatly appreciate your, your time today and, and thanks so much for being, being a guest and, and discussing how one can scale the franchise. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. For all of our loyal podcast listeners, we hope our Franchising 101 series continues to provide insight into the amazing possibilities that can be achieved as a franchise owner. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform to ensure you never miss an episode. Um, if you'd like to learn more about becoming a franchise owner, then let's schedule a brief introductory call. Click the link in your podcast window or find us online at francoach.net and send us a message. There is never any fee for our service, so we encourage you to take that first step today to help create your better tomorrow. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, and we hope to talk to you soon.